Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. The Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Trump and Savage breathe the same air as children or as boys, but we lived in two different worlds. Today's show may as well be called A Tale of Two Cities. And yet we came together by fate 50 years later, where the once poor boy helped the ever-rich boy reach the highest office in the in the land, in the world, that is. I'm glad that I did it. I mean, it's amazing how fate works. It's almost a biblical story in its own strange way. If I were telling a biblical story, how the poor boy, 50 years later, helps the rich boy reach the highest office in the land. It's almost a biblical story, and I don't understand what it really means. I'm just glad that I helped save America, but how long this will last, anyone knows. I'm quite concerned that although Biden is what Trump says he is, a dummy, and a loser, he's liable to win. And I'll tell you the reason is, is because I think people want a steadying sale in this crazy country of ours. They don't know which way to turn. They can't take the hatred anymore, the confusion. I know that it's dumped on Trump day and night, and he has every right to be pissed off, as I am all the time, but he is the president. And I'm wondering if it's hurting him more than it's helping him. I just don't know where it's going to sit with the women and people who don't like harsh language. I know from radio, people don't like harsh language. But on the other hand, he gets it every day of the week from the communists, you know, on the other side. So today I want to talk about a tale of two cities, and here are some of the topics that I picked. Border apprehensions have jumped 20-fold in one year. Now, look, you can blame the Democrats and the judges, and you wouldn't be wrong. What could Trump do? Border apprehensions of families have jumped 20-fold in one year. We are being invaded. We're being invaded from Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua. They all have new clothing, new shoes, new sneakers, hairdos, haircuts. They're clean as a whistle, except the ones who are diseased. Who's paying for it? Well, Mexico won't tell us, but they know who's paying for it. We know that some of the groups behind this include the Koch brothers, who pose as conservatives, but they're not. In fact, there's an article that shocked me that I found that put it up on michaelsavage.com. You have to go down a while to find it. And uh, it shows that the billionaire Cox, K-O-C-H-S, will financially back Democrats pushing amnesty and free trade. They're not conservatives. They are businessmen who care only about amnesty and free trade for their own reasons. That's a big story, by the way. There's another one I want to point to. Hero mocks Trump's border deal that I linked up on michaelsavage.com. He's an American hero. I think he lost a couple of legs in Afghanistan. He has the right to uh, speak out against the invasion, and he does. He does so, yes. He's not mincing words. There are other stories that I want to talk about uh, on the uh, program today, and many stories, as a matter of fact. I, I don't know where to begin this so good story. Here's one. Mary Max, wife of famed artist Peter Max. Remember him from the 60s? You remember the heyday of the psychedelic years? Maybe you weren't even alive. I remember his art. I lived in the East Village at the time. And Peter Max was a very famous psychedelic artist, and he made a fortune as a great... He was a great artist. He was a great artist. Well, naturally, with great art, there's great money. With great money, there's family disputes. And the second wife 
is suing the son, and the son is suing the second wife. Well, she killed herself in her Upper West Side apartment, and that's not the story unto itself. To me, the story is she killed herself with nitrogen asphyxiation. I never heard of that one. She killed herself with nitrogen asphyxiation, and apparently a lot of people are using nitrogen asphyxiation as a form of euthanasia. Several states have adopted nitrogen as a method to kill them, kill their uh, people on death row. It's a whole story I wanted to talk about. Talking about death, Alabama has approved castration for some sex offenses. Now, naturally, the left went crazy and said, it's unconstitutional, it's illegal, it's this and that. Well, actually, it's not illegal. Several states use castration right now, including California, for some sex offenses. But don't tell that to the ACLU. There are other topics I want to talk about. Should flag burners be arrested? Now you say, wait a minute now. What are you talking about? I saw a story that caught my attention. The city of Cleveland has to pay a member of the Revolutionary Communist Party, of all things, $225,000 because he burnt a flag at the 2016 Republican National Convention to protest Trump. He burnt an American flag. He was arrested, and the city of Cleveland was forced to pay $225,000 to him because his First Amendment rights to burn the flag were violated, according to his piece-of-garbage lawyer. It's interesting to me that many of the lawyers for these people have foreign-sounding names from, like, Pakistan and India. I know I'm not supposed to mention that. But you know what? I'm that kind of guy. Let me mention that. His lawyer has a name from India. Now, why would a guy from India who has found the promised land, become a lawyer, and line himself up with the Revolutionary Communist Party. But let's go to the core of the issue. Trump got pissed off so that he said the burning of flags should be outlawed. And this is a topic that is worth talking about. Should it be outlawed? Now, I know right away the civil libertarians say, no, it's free speech. Well, what isn't free speech when the liberals want it to be theirs? Now, I'm sorry, I think that flag burning should be outlawed. That's my opinion. Now, I want to talk about other things as well. You're invited to call. Anyone who gets on the air, you got to call early, by the way, because you're not going to get on if you don't call right now. You'll get a free copy of A Savage Life, which is out any day now for Father's Day. And uh, these are the topics. Alabama approves castration law for some sex offenders. Is the border crisis real or imagined? Oh, it's real, all right. Do Trump's put-downs of Biden calling him a dummy and mentally weak help him? Do these schoolyard taunts hurt or help Trump? That's a really decent question, by the way. Now, the topic, 21% of millennials live with parents. 21% of millennials in America live with their parents. Do you have a deadbeat millennial living at home, staying home all day, smoking pot, not even looking for a job? You want to talk about that? I want to read a page, a half a page from A Savage Life in the, in the story called Pennies for Beethoven. Maybe you won't understand it. This story was from when I was like in my 40s. No, actually when I was in my 40s, not like when I was in my 40s. Sorry for picking up a Kardashianism. So this comes from uh, <laughs> Savage Life's Life. So, since early on I wrote, I've known I would be no good at business. You see, I lack the Midas touch, the ability to sell, the desire really to cater to people. Maybe I'm basically the lazy Mexican, quote unquote, my father thought I represented. My father often used to ridicule me and told me I reminded him of a Mexican with a sombrero falling asleep against the wall. And I said, 
gee, all the Mexicans I've met in my life have been remarkable hard workers. They work like ancient Israelites with uncanny stamina, uncomplaining. Huh. Well, anyway, that's what I'm saying. Pennies for Beethoven is how my wife put it in those days when I complained about my lack of an hourly consulting fee. So I stopped looking for an hourly consulting fee just as soon as I started. I melted the plastic shingle. Now I just dream like the biblical prophet my father confused with a cartoon, quote, lazy Mexican. That's a page from Pennies for Beethoven. I realize it's way over the head of the uh, Trump-Mueller crowd. I realize that literature is dead. I realize there is no literature. I realize literature can't be published. I realize that with the advent of everyone fighting for a bestseller slot, literature doesn't compete. But there it goes. There's some literature in A Savage Life, and there's much more. There's actually good pieces. Did I tell you the story about the Hells Angel who gave me my first wild dog? Did I ever tell you that story? You want to hear that story? Clinton, Jim, you decide. Should I tell that story? Okay, it goes like this. Back in the 80s, you see, I was living in Marin County, California, and I very often would ride the ferry into the city on hot days just to get some cool air. Well, the Larkspur Ferry is right adjacent to San Quentin Prison. And as inmates are released from San Quentin Prison, they're given a certain amount of money and a ferry ticket to get them out of town. So I get on the ferry, and I see a guy with long hair who was clearly a criminal. I can tell the type. Somehow we immediately talked to each other, and we struck up a conversation. He had just been released from San Quentin. I don't know why. We just liked talking to each other. I was just a writer and a consultant at the time, but I had a wild streak in me that I guess people who are wild can recognize. I'm like the unbroken horse who leaves the trainer on the ground in the corral. And uh, I'm just a hairbreadth away from being a criminal myself in many ways, I suppose. But then again, it's been said that artists and criminals have an awful lot in common. So as I say, we struck up a conversation, the uh, guy, the Hells Angel and I, and we started to talk. And as the ferry got to the city dock, he said to me, why don't you come out to my house and uh, I'll give you a puppy? I said, all right, I'm crazy enough to do that. So he took a bunch of buses from the Embarcadero down around to where the mud flats are near I think the old Candlestick Park was. I mean, he walked out on, the, on planks and this and that. The nicest guy in the world introduced me to his, quote, old lady. And they had a litter of pups. And they were all border collies. Well, he said, you want one? I said, sure, okay. I didn't want to insult the guy. So I took the border collie in my arm, the little newly born puppy. I don't know how I got home. I really don't remember. A series of buses. and, and I don't know. I get home. The kid loved the dog. The kids loved this dog. This was the wildest dog I ever owned. His name was, I actually forgot his name. I don't remember his name. I've had so many wonderful dogs. And they've all gone to dog heaven. And I'm sure they're all waiting for me to treat me well because I've treated them well. Bandit, Bandit. Bandit looked like a bandit. I named him Bandit. Well, Bandit was the wildest dog I ever owned. Being part border collie, he could jump six-foot fences or higher. So we lived on a hillside at the time in Marin County, in a little house, the first house I was able to ever buy. And Bandit has a ha- had a habit of jumping the fence, running across the valley to a girl dog. I swear to God, this dog was so smart. He would open the latch to her gate and let her out of her gate, out of her yard, and then they would run freely together up in the watershed, chasing deer. 
Well, this went on for a while until one day a ranger, a piece, a really horrible human being, a park ranger with a gun on his hip. They're usually cowards, those who go into the park ranger business. They're not cops. They just like to intimidate hikers. He came to my house with my dog, and he said, your dog and this other dog are chasing deer up in the watershed. If I catch him doing it again, I'm going to shoot your dog dead. Well, he never shot the dog dead because I, I made sure Bandit never got out again, unfortunately. But that's the story of Bandit and the Hells Angel on the Savage Nation. And you can't read about that in the Savage Life because it's not in there. Savage. I can tell you stories. I can tell you politics. I can just give judgment. You know, I realized something today. That most talk show hosts sit there like judges, including myself. We're sitting in judgment of virtually everything that goes be- before us. And we act like we know more than anyone else what the right answer is. And if we don't act that way, well, no one will listen to us. But how many of us really know what we're talking about is the question. I know I know what I'm talking about. I've lived long enough to tell you we cannot take in all of the world's poor. Is there anyone on earth who would believe we can take in, what, 300 million? Should we displace the entire population with poor Guatemalans, El Salvadorans, Nicaraguans, Brazilians? Is that what you want, you idiots? How can you not understand that a nation without borders does not exist? How is it that there are more illegal aliens coming in under Trump than under Obama? It's an uncomfortable question. It sounds disloyal. No one else who supports Trump would ask it because they will be accused of being a Benedict Arnold. But I'm going to ask it. If Obama were president and the number of illegal alien families seeking asylum was at this level, what would you be doing? Oh, you'd be screaming, communist, Muslim, hates America, Muslim, communist. Well, we screamed under Obama. He was a Muslim and a communist. And we elected Trump. Now what? Now it's worse. So what happened? It's called a, uh, the, the shell game. That's all. You vote for A, you get not B, you get C. You vote for B, you don't get A, you get C. You get what the power structure wants. It's that simple. It looks to me like Jeb Bush won. Do you know that Jeb Bush's immigration program wouldn't be no different than what we're seeing now? Amnesty, open borders, without a word. Why is Trump wasting his time talking about Biden instead of about the flood at the border? I want practical solutions. Wall? I told you, we haven't even gotten a speed bump. Where's the wall? There is the build that wall, build that mall, build that, I mean, build that wall, I mean, build that mall, I mean, build that wall. Is it a mall or a wall? Well, we got a nice mall in Dubai. Build that mall, I mean, build that wall. Okay, parody only goes so far. Let's take some calls. San Jose, call line two. You're up on the Savage Nation. Fire away, 30 seconds or less. Michael, the answer to that thing about why the uh, more people are coming under Trump is because they're sitting down there. They want to come, and they they think that they all they have to go right now because Trump is is serious about this stuff. They know it. Oh, they think he's serious. Well, why doesn't he get serious about it? Well, let's, what, do you th- what, what is he waiting for? Till a million come in, and say so we're going to stop it now? I've seen this. I've seen this before. I've seen other presidents say we're going to fix this. Buffalo, New York. Jason, line six, what's on your mind? 
Calling about the uh, crisis at the border here. This this entire scenario that's going down at the border is a well-orchestrated, organized, well-funded attack on the United States. The equivalent of a nuclear attack. So why is Trump permitting it? I think it's out of his control, to be honest with you. I mean, if he doesn't slam that border shut, he's done in 2020. They're changing the demographics of this country, remember. Well, right. So an El Paso border official just today says, we continue to catch criminals, pedophiles, people with contagious diseases. We can't keep up with it. They're flooding us. It went up, I think, eightfold or 20-fold in one year at the borders. They're all screaming asylum, using children as a as a tool. The cartels are bringing them in, pushing them under the fence. And Trump sits there and insults Biden as a loser. Do you remember, you remember uh, there was a president named... Harry Truman, who said the buck stops here. Why doesn't the buck stop there is what I'm asking. They're delivering. Let me ask you something. Is it disloyal of me to ask the question? Am I not allowed to ask it? No, absolutely not. He needs to slam the border shut or he is not going to win in 2020. They are- well, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I, I tweeted, read my lips, no new immigrants. And I stick by those words. If he does not stop this yesterday i'm afraid that the eddies like you will not come out will you come out and vote for him anyway let me ask you is your default well i'll vote for him anyway because i don't want a communist or a socialist is that what you're going to do i want to know uh well i'm going to take the better of two horses obviously but so am i see here's the problem so is that the calculation of the republican party with trump as their front man make no mistake about it he's a member of the republican establishment right now is he not Correct. He's no longer an outsider. He's been president for two years. We can no longer say he's this wild, radical outsider. He's a Republican. And he's doing exactly what Jeb Bush would have been doing, isn't he? Uh, so pretty- so their calculation is, we have nowhere to go and we'll vote for him no matter what they do to us. Isn't that it? That's it. Trump's the best of... Best well, there we are. Yes. Well, you get a copy of A Savage Life. Because it's about an America that no longer exists in some ways. Stories include Dead Man's Pants, Pennies for Beethoven, My Silent Brother, Fat Pat and Tippy the Dog, and many, many other stories. It is not a political book. It's for the whole family is what it comes down to. Something sickening. Something is getting me very sick. Adam in Virginia, line seven. Go ahead, please. What's your topic? Hey, you talk about sickening. I got to tell you, as an American... I feel like I've lost a lot of hope. I feel like that this country stood behind Trump and that we elected him in to do a job. And I made a prediction at that time. I told my father as we sat around and watched the votes come in. I said one of two things is going to happen. He's going to do something to turn everything around because he's got the people behind him. Or he's going to be just another machine part of the establishment. And I hate to say it. But the way he's doing and the way he's operating, he's no different than any of them. I think that you're the voice of America. I think that if I said to you you're wrong, I'd be lying. And since I try not to lie on this show, I'm afraid that you represent the heartbeat of this country. We voted for a man to stop the flood. The number one issue for Trump was what? Immigration, immigration, immigration. Now we wake up and it's worse than it was under Obama. What are we supposed to think? Tell me, how long can we blame the judges and the Democrats? 
Well, they are stopping him from doing his job. But the fact of the matter is he does have powers as president that he could enact. We knew what they were because he said so three months ago. He said if it becomes a national security issue, he could do what? He could bring out the military. Well, it is a damn national security issue. When you have this many people coming into this country to sponge off the nation, many of whom are criminals, pedophiles, people with contagious diseases, that is a national emergency. The president has the power to bring in the military on that border and stop this flood of human traffic coming over the border. And he's not doing it. Why? Well, I'm going to send you a savage life because we, the people, know that we've been screwed again. That's it's that simple. It's that simple. Michigan, John, line one, you're calling about something entirely different. What's what's it about? It is entirely different. I thought it was very interesting that you brought up Peter Max. Now, I used to work in his studio way back in my college days. Well, I, let me tell people, the article was Mary Max, wife of famed hippies, hippie psychedelic artist Peter Max, killed herself using nitrogen in her Upper West Side apartment. I remember Peter Max's work. It was brilliant. Were you, are you an artist yourself? Yes, I started art in Brooklyn. And now you're stranded up in the, uh, what, the peninsula of Michigan? Yeah, yeah, now I am. You're breaking up. So what was Peter Max like? Let's see if we can even hear you. You were spot on, Doctor, uh, the way you described them. Artists back in that day, uh, their style in the society days, you were right. They're goofy, into themselves, strange people. And when I worked in his studio, I never saw him paint a stroke. He had all of his assistants cranking out piece after piece after piece. Oh, he, he didn't paint his own work? Not that I saw. <laughs> oh, so he turned it into a factory. It was a factory, like the Andy Warhol style. Andy Warhol didn't paint very, very many of his own paintings. That was a factory. He stamped them out in copies and signed his name and made billions, right? They were good They were good businessmen, yeah. Absolutely. and uh, he had Very smart been- businessmen. He, but he did create a style, didn't he, Peter Max? Absolutely. He did album covers for the band Yes. I don't know if you know Yes, one of my favorites. You know that his work was so famous, they made a postage stamp of his work? It's spectacular. He's a brilliant artist. Are you still painting up there in the peninsula, Michigan? Oh, no. I put down my brushes shortly after college because it's just, uh, you can't make ends meet. Yeah. So what, what have you been doing all these years to make a buck? Uh, the day-to-day jobs, day-to-day, dollar-to-dollar, paycheck-to-paycheck. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. People don't know. So you're a guy, wait a minute, you're a guy who had a sharp eye, still has the sharp eye, even though you put down the brush, you still see things very clearly. Did you vote for Trump? I want to make it political for a minute. Absolutely, I did. Okay, fine, because you see reality as it is. You're obviously as disappointed as I am about the border being broken and him letting a flood come in like this. Are you going to still vote for him? I will still vote for him. But, doctor, I got to say, I lived in Marin County for several years. And uh, the immigration problem was just as bad back then. I'm talking 20 years ago as it is now. So nothing's being done. Nothing's being done. When you read... Billionaire Koch brothers to financially back Democrats pushing amnesty and free trade. It tells us there's a one-party system with a two-card Monty. There's no two parties at all. It's a one-party system with two-card Monty. And people say, oh, I'm a Democrat. Oh, I'm a Republican. Oh, the other side's no good. It means nothing. It looks to me like the same shell game is going on. 
Well, I'm sending you a savage life. What can I do? As an immigrant son who's worked since I'm five years old, I'll continue to work until God either tells me that I'm through or uh, something happens. I will never retire. I mean, I don't intend to retire. People say, well, why don't you retire? Retire, what does the word mean? What should you do, go to Provence and drink, drink wine in a rented farmhouse? I don't play golf. I don't play tennis. I uh, I really don't. I, I don't know. I don't. What are you doing if you retire? I don't understand. What do people do? You know, there are guys in my neighborhood who've never worked. A day. I haven't seen them work from the day I moved in twenty years ago. I don't know what they did. Even they do, and they say watch the sprinkler on their front lawn. A lot of them. I, I know a guy. He watches a sprinkler go back and forth. White guy. I don't know what white men do when they retire. They go to dinner. They. Uh, some of them have golf clubs. That That's very exciting. Let's see what else. I, I was a caddy once. I don't know how to play golf. I don't like the game. It's the slowest game in the world. I, if you like it, God bless you. I'm not knocking it. But um, it's so slow to watch the ball, and you hit the ball, and you march, and you, the spiked shoe. All right, it's an occupant. But uh, I'm not going to retire. I have a reason to live. Border apprehensions of families jumps 20 times in one year under Trump. 20 times on the Trump. So that's why I call the show A Tale of Two Cities. Trump and Savage breathe the same air. We lived in the same area of Queens. He lived on the rich side of Union Turnpike. I lived on the attached house side. He went to high school. Uh, well, actually, he went to the New York Military Academy. I knew one guy when a lot of Venezuelans would send their sons to the New York Military Academy. And I had a friend that was a troublemaker whose father sent him to the New York Military Academy because he, he figured he'd get some discipline up there. Uh, and there were a lot of rich kids. They partied at 15. They said, you know what like Venezuelans were like? Boys 15. They always looked like men. How they had beards. They like shaved at 15. They always like bigger guys. What is it, like the meat that they eat or something? The Argentinians? The pompous? These kids are like 15 years old. They look like grown men. I don't understand that. But they went to the New York Military Academy. And they would party. They knew how to party, these guys. They come in, they go to like nightclubs at 15 in Manhattan. The girls, the drinking. I don't know how that's. They're raised for that, like down there in Venezuela, Argentina. So I knew one kid, as I said, who went to New York Military Academy. His father was like a gangster, great guy. And his son was like him, a troublemaker. <laughs> so the father sent him to the New York Military Academy where he met these Venezuelans. Or, no, they were Argentinians. And uh, then I, through him, got to know them, went out with them in Manhattan a lot, a little bit. It was a lot of fun in those days, as I said. But two different worlds. Two different worlds. And 50 years later, the poor boy helps the rich boy reach the highest office in the land. And I'm sure that if he gets word of what I'm saying about immigration, he doesn't like me anymore. He's probably saying I'm, I'm not, you know, loyal. Well, I think I'm loyal to the truth. And I think that that's all that matters at the end of the day, because the day I'm not loyal to the truth, I'm going to retire. The day I have to become a pimp, as too many have become in the radio business, I'm going to quit. But thus far, no one has told me what to say once in my entire life on the radio. Do you know that? Management keeps hands off. Management keeps hands off, and there's no pressure on me to tell me what to say or what to do. And I am here only for you, the audience. And if you think I have not paid the price, you're mistaken, but I'm not complaining. That's the way it is. Savage.
people are saying to me, Savage, why doesn't Trump call out the National Guard? It's a national emergency, the flood of illegals. And the answer is because the National Guard has to be called out by each state governor. You think Governor Newsom is going to call out the National Guard in California? He wants the flood here. He likes the welfare state. He wants more free, uh, more voters from uh, south of the border. No, so California won't do it. Mexico, New Mexico, Arizona, you think that those governors are going to call out the National Guard? No. Trump ultimately has the power to control this. He declares a national emergency based upon the issues that I have described on this program, which are very real and will affect and are affecting every American listening to the show. Liberal, conservative, does not matter. You're all being affected by the illegal aliens, and if you don't think so, you're, you're very naive. And in the future, this country will look more and more like the hellholes they've run from. Let me say that again in case you find it offensive. Let me offend you again. If you've always wanted to live in a country where gangs like MS-13 rule the streets, keep on bringing in more of them. You say, well, these women and children aren't MS-13. No, they're not. But who do you think's running them through over the border? Who do you think is providing them with all of the transportation so that the women arrive looking like they're fresh out of the beauty parlor and the men arrive look like they just had a nice razor cut in a barbershop with clean sneakers? Well, how do you think they're getting here? They're coming in on an express train provided by Catholic charities, Baptist family services, gangs. You can't believe who's providing the transportation. There's more money to be made in human smuggling than in drug smuggling. Did you know that? The president knows that. He once talked about it. He has the power to say it's a national emergency, which it is, and say, I'm going to stop this right now to protect every American. I'm authorizing, as commander-in-chief, the military to the border. I'm also putting up concertina wire on along the border as far as I can in lieu of the wall. And we hope that the American people will understand this is in their best interest. Thank you very much and good night. That should be done from the Oval Office. It should be done yesterday. The Westwood One Podcast Network.